You talk to some people that they're very sure of their self or they come off very sure of their self and where they want to be. And I think it's okay to be 35, 36, and you're like, I like where I'm at, but I'm still trying to figure out where I want to go with it or what I want to be. That's the voice of Stephen Machuca, owner of The Wood Pastor, and I'm excited to talk with him right after a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Jobber. Jobber is software to organize and manage your business. From quoting a project, to getting paid, to everything in between, Jobber software brings everything together to make projects easy to manage and customers happy, giving you more time in your day and getting you paid faster. Go to getjobber.com Ethan or check out the link in the show notes for a free 14-day trial of Jobber. And if you try it now, you get 20% off your first six months when you sign up. Hello and welcome to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson, the show that talks about the business behind the furniture business. On this episode, I sit down with Stephen Machuca, owner of the Lumberton, Texas-based furniture company, The Wood Pastor. Stephen is a one-person shop and proud of it. His goals are not to grow, not to expand, and not because he can't. Honestly, he turns a large percentage of work away. And although it might sound strange to some, growth is not what he is after. His goal is to build a lifestyle company, one that covers his bills, keeps him interested in his daily work, and lets him spend ample time with his family. One day he may decide to expand, but for now, he's happy just where he is. Follow along as we talk about the jump into working for yourself, the importance of community to keep you positive, why growth is not always the end goal, and much more. We've got a lot to share in this episode, so let's jump right in and learn how Steven got into the furniture business in the first place. Okay. I thought there was going to be a, a bell or something. Ding. You have a bell? <laughs> All right. When I first started, the first thing I built was a uh, loft bed for my son, and I had several guys help me. From there, when I completed that, you know, I felt pretty good about it. I had a friend say that I should, you know, use plans because I actually had a hard time finishing the loft bed. So he actually sent me a, a link to Anna White, <laughs> and the next bed that I built was a twin bed for myself. And I was teaching at the time, uh, elementary. So I turned into building a bunch of twin beds and selling them for very low profit. But even then I took the profit and just started buying like a few tools at a time for myself. And then because using plans had worked so well, I started looking at other things that I wanted for the house. Uh, I went to a dining table and end table and coffee table next. So a bunch of tables because I kind of got tired of beds pretty quick. And from there, um, it's just kind of been furniture. I got into cabinets uh, probably three and a half years ago. And before that, it was all you know, tables and bed frames. That story is very recognizable for a lot of people listening where they started their furniture journey out of building something for themselves either they had the skills before it but they had never really put it to work in building something or they 
had the idea and the the dream to build something and they built the first one they built the second one and and they never looked back so that that story is is well known but a lot of people don't take those initial builds and turn them into a company turn them into a business think i could support myself and make money on this and they keep it as a hobby what gave you the confidence what gave you the push what gave you the the desire to go out on your own and and turn this into a real business um honestly it took a it took a push from a, a few people i was i was really worried that i needed to be somewhere um more like fine woodworking or just i needed more experience to call myself a business or a woodworker to you know start running a website or do different things uh to make it legit you know more than just a hobby and and not breaking even but you know just making a little bit of profit it took several it took several people saying hey you can do this and then i had to get out of my head thinking hey i need to be this ultra fine woodworker because there's all different kinds of woodworkers I don't, I don't think i'll ever be that and i'm not against that at all um it's just not my style if i if i ever went that route it would probably be just for me you know what i mean but i think it was really just taking myself seriously and knowing i don't need to be perfect to start this you know once i start it's going to be a learning process anyways um i don't even know when the perfect time would have been for me to start anyways what do i got to be you know 55 60 years old with the you know 4000 square foot shop and uh you know 20 hand planes or something i mean literally i thought i needed to be amish or something to to, to have like a legit business and go go full time eventually and that's really not what it was i was I was growing my skills and then um, I was adding on other things. Like I said, I started with beds and tables and I did those for a while. As I made more money and confidence grew and then I got more clients, I kind of started adding things to the list of either what I wanted to build or what a lot of people were asking for. Um, I eventually left education and went to a cabinet shop for a year. And that's what got me into making cabinets. Um, if anybody's listening out there and you're like, dude, I'll never do cabinets. I have so many friends that say they're not going to build cabinets. I don't have the best setup for it. I've actually been saying no to a lot of cabinets recently, but there's a, there's good money in cabinet making as far as materials go and stuff. Uh, and they don't even have to be like super high in cabinets, but it was a nice skill to learn for that year. And that ultimately is what helped me uh, go full time is just having kind of an arsenal of, you know, furniture, uh, you know, cutting boards and cabinetry. Yeah, you collect your skills as you go. And it's it's a big thing that we talk about on this show with a lot of people. When when is the right time to jump in and that is a sliding scale for a lot of people. Sometimes it's having money in the bank. Sometimes it's the fear of 
leaving a corporate job. Sometimes it's not having the skills and thinking that you need to keep building your skills to jump in. And, and it's a starting line that keeps moving and, and you keep chasing it. And sometimes it's smart to hold off and not jump in straight away to a business for yourself. But sometimes it's, it's not smart. Sometimes you can talk yourself out of it each and every time and you just never get off the ground. So that is, that is, is a big, a big part of, of running a business, the confidence to know that you can make it. What, what did that feel like that, that confidence, that, that boost to yourself when you finally made that decision and decided to go out on your own, that you could do this, that you were now a furniture business? Man, um, I, I feel like the way it happened for me was a little bit different than than uh, what, you know, possibly has it's been for other people. Um, again, it was kind of a necessity thing. I was at the cabinet shop for a year and I was leaving there, taking another opportunity to go to a refinery, a, a plant, basically, um, locally. And I absolutely hate the idea of working at a plant. And um, we had just moved houses, uh, moved cities about 15 minutes away to a nicer, you know, and a little bit nicer city and a nicer house. And I was like, I need to support my family because I have three kids. <laughs> and uh, we had a little bit of money left over from the house. We saw my wife's like, why don't you just do your own thing? Because the plant job, I basically said, I'm not interested, even though I went like through training and stuff. And I was scared of the idea of being, you know, solely responsible for providing for me, my wife, and three kids. Um, I would not have been able to do that if our debt wasn't wasn't fairly low at the time. Like we had mortgage, a car, and honestly, uh, college that I was still paying on. But that's it. Those were our three big bills that we needed to, you know, that we had to pay down. But I wouldn't have done it unless it was a necessity. And I was like, okay, I'm only going to do this for a little while until I find something else. Well, I'm, I'm still working for myself, even though it's when I initially said, Hey, yeah, let's do this full time. And I started taking it serious as full time, um, lining up jobs, uh, being in a one car garage. Um, and it just being me, like, you know, I never thought about, I wanted to hire employees or get a bigger space. I mean, I would love a bigger space, but you know, to keep overhead low, I was like, I'm going to do this. all. <laughs> I'm going to do this all out of my one car garage. I'm going to set up a miter station in a workbench and roll it out into the driveway and stuff. And, you know, thank God that I've got some nice neighbors because no one's ever complained about me, you know, making noise outside, you know, throwing sawdust around. But again, it worked out and I'm still in the middle of it in my mind. And this is just me. It's not because it's not working out. Um, I think if we didn't have kids, we'd be rich based off of how much money I can make doing woodwork in a year. My wife is extremely part-time. Uh, so she's not bringing a whole lot, but we have a little three-year-old that's not in school yet. And then we got two other kids. So, you know, cost of living for two adults and three kids 
it gets stressful. Sometimes you just want the consistency of a consistent, you know, consistent paycheck. Um, and it, it still freaks me out. Like in my mind, if this stayed full time, let's just say that I'm going to do this for another 10 years or long term. I would need to think about expanding as in getting a place and then at least hiring one employee or something, someone to help me out, move stuff, install stuff, depending on what I, I plan on doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that's growth. That is growing your business and it's different for everybody and there's different goals for everybody. Some people want giant shops. Some people want to be in the manufacturing business. Some people want to keep their shop small and do just heirloom one-off pieces. And some people want to be somewhere in the middle. When you picture what those next steps would look like, what kind of building blocks do you need in place to take it to the next 10 years? I feel like I would need some help with the business side of things because I don't know all the ins and outs of, you know, the best ways to save money uh, as far as expenses and taxes and all that goes. You know, I'm not trying to cut corners. I'm pretty honest. Like I'll probably claim too much stuff every year to, to be honest uh, and end up paying, paying in more. But um I feel like I would just need help with the, the paperwork side of it. I think this is the part where we're related with Wes's episode. I was like, get this out of my face. I don't want to deal with this, even though, you know, it's, it's, it shouldn't be a one man show, but it kind of is. My wife will step up and help every now and then mainly finish a project as in, you know, brush paint something. That's the kind of stuff that if I had more help with, I could take care of the paperwork side of stuff. Um, it's just kind of dealing with clients and stuff sometimes and being the builder and running around doing quotes and transporting stuff. If you're going to like move a couple cabinets or install stuff like that, uh, it's, I think it's hard to do everything yourself and it shouldn't, you shouldn't have to, you should either outsource it or you should get help or you should, you know, line up all that stuff. Don't say no to everything that you know makes you nervous accept the challenge maybe up quote and then that'll help you pay for that that second person but again i'm still here like do i want to grow this and if i do how much do i want to grow it realistically like the future for me looks like what can i do out of my one car garage because we're trying to get debt free so in my mind if i went and bought a bigger shop or rented one out and then you got to pay for utilities um, it just changes a lot of things. And then I got to worry about that bill getting paid monthly. So right now I'm thinking, what can I, what can I do, you know, out of a one car garage that I'm already doing that I have the room for. And that's why you see so many cutting boards and me using my CNC is because the money's there for that too. Um, and then you can personalize furniture too with the CNC. I've done that, uh, recently, like where you put a piece of wood down, you you know, you cut on it and then you put it all together and then it's basically on your furniture doing inlays and stuff like that as well. I'm just saying that's an option. Well, that's one way people who are small shops, one person, two person, three person shops, 
that's one way they found helps with the building because technology, woodworking technology is like having another person in the shop, a very, very skilled person who you just have to tell them once and they make it happen. And investing in that is a way to be able to keep your business small and not bring on employees, but also help expand your output. Your shop is small, a one-car garage. Your output is, is relatively small when you think of a furniture business. Furniture businesses, when people say it, they think of an Ikea factory. They think of uh, uh, chairs being turned out, but what you're doing is still a furniture business. And the way you're running it is the way a lot of people run it. You are a professional furniture maker. You are doing this and making a living and being successful for many years doing this. But what's holding you back, or maybe holding you back isn't the right way to say it because some some shops don't want they don't want to take it to the next level they're very happy at where they've scaled their business and where they've scaled it is to a one-person shop that they get to take the jobs that they want to take on but this is this is what i see a lot of a lot of smaller shops kind of get to a stalemate here and they know the path that they want to go but they're just not doing it. Um, it sounds like a cop-out, but I honestly don't want to grow. <laughs> I feel like I want to maintain what I have. Um, and I'm okay with doing what I'm doing right now until I figure out where I want to go with it. And I think that's where I think that's where I'm at. I'm not 100% sure where I want to go with it. And I don't want to commit a lot of money and time to, hey, let's see where this goes. Um, because I am happy with it, where it's at right now. It doesn't cost a lot for me to operate, which means I get to keep a lot of money. I get to spend a lot more time with my family. I still have a young family. I got a three-year-old, a 13 and 14-year-old, and they'll be in high school next year. And in my mind, it's just like, it almost sounds uh, like I'm scared or I'm lazy. And it's really just like, I'm content with where I'm at, especially not knowing I know for sure I don't want to do cabinets and larger stuff uh, full time for the next, you know, 10, 15, 20 years. Um, it's not always going to be just smalls and stuff that I can ship. But, you know, if I do a cabinet, it's going to be like a vanity or a bookshelf or two bookshelves because I've got two bookshelves in the house right now that need to leave my house. One's in my bedroom and one's in the uh, kitchen. <laughs> so, like, clients need to collect them. I think it's just uh, not knowing exactly where I want to go with it if I did want to grow it, you know what I mean? And then do I want to grow it? And I am happy where I'm at right now. Well, being happy is a big part of the day, is a big part of life choices, is a big part of why people get up in the morning. And... It's, it's funny because a, 
a lot of people probably have a a knee-jerk reaction like he's got clients furniture that he's built in in different parts of you know it's storing in different parts of his house why why wouldn't he want to grow bigger but then people probably have to take a look at that and think they either are doing the exact same thing or they were in that position or taking a step back and being like it doesn't cost him anything more to keep it in his house to have the shop in his house if he can function out of that then that's perfectly fine and there's that thousands of dollars in rent going down the drain every month for having a bigger shop and where does that leave you that leaves you with having to grow the amount of clients you're taking on grow the amount of projects you're taking on just to meet that so you're working harder and taking less money sometimes it really depends on how you want to scale your business and where you want it to go and happiness and being happy is just as good of a reason i can think of as as any of those yeah i mean i guess right now in my head it's i don't really want to spend more money to make more money um I'm good with where I'm at because I really I really feel like I can make more money and spend less money at this point right now. Let's talk about your clients because those are the people, whether you have a big shop, a small shop or somewhere in between, that is how businesses make money. How have you gone about finding your clients getting new clients and keeping old ones? Um, a lot of it's been word of mouth. Um, and then I used to have more people reach out to me through my website, but that slowed down. And uh, I really have probably got about 75 to 80% of my clients through Facebook over the last several years. And it's my personal Facebook. Even though I have a business Facebook, they're not going to reach out to me on there. Maybe one person a month might reach out to me on the business Facebook. But other than that, if they know who I am or know my name, they're going to find me on my personal uh, because most people are referred to me by a friend or someone else that has used me. Um, I actually sell stuff through Instagram, too. I don't even have like a shop or anything set up. Um, it's just it's really word of mouth or people seeing other people's posts or knowing that I'm making, you know, cutting boards or cabinets or whatever. I'll have people reach out to me locally and across the U.S., uh, mainly through um, Instagram. Now, you've mentioned cutting boards a couple times, and they are an interesting spot in, in the furniture world because they don't really fall into what one would think of as as fine furniture as classic furniture but they have really become this i want i want to say side hustle even though i don't really like that word but they've become mm -hmm. they've become this this side job for a lot of furniture makers it's it, it's good money and it's usually 
if we're all being honest, it's usually just scraps from bigger projects or mm -hmm. just off cuts that you find at a lumber yard, but it makes money and it's a good, it's a good side business. How, yeah. how have you really balanced the idea of being a furniture maker with this idea of also making the home goods aspect, the, the cutting boards, the serving trays, those kinds of things. Honestly, if I had more space than the one car garage, like if I'm working on one big piece, it kind of shuts down the whole garage. Like it gets in the way. I can only finish one piece at a time, even if I'm not spraying it or something. So that's one reason I stepped away from bigger furniture pieces. And really I, I kind of limited myself to doing, you know, smaller ones, like small tables uh, or, you know, whatever someone might need. But um, and as far as the cutting boards go, man, they were kind of a seasonal thing and they were kind of a side hustle. I never really pre-made a whole bunch and like had this inventory of, you know, 10 or 15. I might've done that one time and it, and it didn't work out. Um, then I'm sitting on boards for months, but ever since I got my CNC, um, last, I think it was December, it was December, January, just because I can personalize something. And this is not just boards. This is tables for people if they want. Um, it's well worth the money getting something that you can use to personalize something because people like their name on stuff. People like an, an original. Uh, people like stuff that uh, other people can't get or if they can it's not going to be exactly the same and i think that i think as makers we think that about wood we're like well this walnut is not the exact same as this other walnut uh you know like we look at the grain of stuff and we're just like well that's completely different because this one's got knots all in it and, and some sapwood and this is like clear walnut well a lot of clients don't really <laughs> look at all that most of the time they're just like that's walnut this is you know, red oak, or this is, you know, I want it painted black or whatever. And uh, I think the fact that you can personalize stuff with the CNC uh, has helped me on the cutting board side. It's not even like I started hustling cutting boards harder. It's just like, I'll do one. And then right behind that, people are like, well, can you put my name on it? Can you put a scripture on the back? Can you do a juice groove? I would never touch doing juice grooves. Um, on cutting boards with a jig or anything until I got the CNC. I was like, well, now I'll do it because I'll just have a computer do it for me. I don't have to set up a jig and all this stuff. I mean, there's way more stuff that you can do with it. I'd like to do chairs. And I know one day eventually I'm gonna create a template for that and I'm gonna cut it out of my CNC <laughs> and then I'll do the rest of it by hand. You know, it's kind of combining those two things. It's, uh, it's been a huge asset not just because it makes things easier in the shop. It's because it makes it, I guess it's just different. It's just one of those tools that just really is helpful. The idea of personalizing things and the idea of personalizing actual pieces of furniture is one thing, but going bigger than that, the idea of, of personalizing your brand is so incredibly important when you are a smaller operation because people don't go to mass market furniture stores 
because they know the person who owns it. They go because it's there, because they see an advertisement, they see that. But for a smaller shop, a one-person shop, you are the face of it. You are the brand. And, and being out there as yourself is a big, big part of what the clients are seeing. You alluded to it a little bit already, how you use social media to get your name out there and to get your clients. But that, I have to think, has been a very big part of your growth. And yes, you do a lot of local work, a lot of local custom work, but overall, your brand growth and even your sales growth with the stuff that you can ship I have to imagine social media has been a very big part of that growth. What has your journey been like on social media and, and how have you been succeeding on it? It's been, it started out really great and then it's, it's frustrating. I mean, it takes, it takes about as much work on there. Again, like I said, you can only do so much as one person, but then you don't want someone curating all your stuff, especially if it's personal stuff that's not you. I've had friends do that and they're never happy with someone else running their stuff. Number one, we're not celebrities. We are a business. Number two, it's just like, where do I want to put my time? Well, where, you know, where are you making money? So I do, I mean, I could put nothing into Facebook and I'll still have people reach out to me on there. I don't do ads. I don't do any of that stuff. It's, I mean, I don't buy a sponsored post or anything like that on Facebook. As far as Instagram goes, I grew on there years ago, um, and I felt like a lot of people kind of knew how the algorithm worked then. Now I have no clue. Um, I almost feel like it's not as worth it to try to sit there and live on Instagram. Now, if you're going to do stuff with companies, they want like an Instagram post. I had one company reach out to me today and talk about TikTok. I'm on there, but I do nothing on there. And then... They want you to share stuff to Facebook, YouTube, and then if you have a blog, they want you to blog about it. And it's like, it's really hard to do all of the things all of the time well. I do think I was lucky to have got on Instagram maybe five plus years ago and grown early on because if you don't have a viral this or that, it's really hard to grow like we did back then um i would like to put more time into youtube because i feel like you get more money out of it but then it's coming up with the projects or what you feel like is i guess worth saying in a video or a project worth doing that someone else hasn't done already or you know how are you going to do it different or how are you going to video it better um and then try to post at the very least once a month um, I think it's just hard to juggle all that and do it, do it all well. But I know a lot of guys that are doing it. Like, I don't know if they just have a schedule, uh, if they just take plenty of pictures, plenty of video and pull from there. But it does seem like it's getting, um, I guess, more and more crowded. But it, it is still beneficial. In my mind, it's still beneficial uh, from some of the stuff I'm doing on there is, is finding clients or... Um, their clients finding me and then 
working with different companies as well. You touched on on two aspects of the social media world, which are very quickly becoming one. And that is the clients and getting clients from it. But that is also the working with brands and building up your own brand and and making money from that, which is becoming more and more in the wheelhouse of the modern furniture maker. And it's becoming something that people expect. It used to be people didn't expect you to have a website, but then as time moved on, people did expect you to have a website and that's where they would find you. And then people moved past the website. And if you don't have a social media presence, then people are like, where are we going to find you? And, and, and so on and so on. And it just keeps building. And yes, this is for a specific type of furniture maker, furniture shop, because not all people are looking to go that route but some people are and and that's you know that's what you have to do now to be in the modern furniture business oh for sure yeah it's really hard it's gonna be really hard for anybody to survive without a website and then on some form of social media and a lot of people feel like once they get on social media they're a sellout they're selling they're not selling their nice furniture at um at a booth at a show or something like that or um reaching out to nice places that will sell their you know one-off furniture or something but and it does feel like that sometimes you feel like you can oversell yourself on ads and stuff like that i guess working with companies on social media sometimes but to me if it fits what you're doing and you can still be yourself like you've got a lot of freedom in whatever ad you create or whatever piece of furniture you're going to make for this certain campaign or whatever. There's a whole bunch of different scenarios, but if you can still be yourself and do it and it relates to what you're doing, I say go for it. There's multiple ways for somebody to approach social media and there's strictly the business side and, and strictly a portfolio of their work. And there's the other side where you bring the personality into it. And you're somebody who has brought their personality into their business and it shows and and people relate to that. One of the things that I really enjoy about the inside look we get to your company through social media is that we see that it's not always roses. It's not always perfect. You don't wake up every day and sell a piece of furniture and you you see that there is a struggle. And if everybody has everything perfect and, and handed to them, then then they don't grow. Where the growth in a business and the growth as a person comes from is in hardships and issues and, and problems and, and fixing those things. And one thing that I really like out of many things that you show to the world about your business is that in the hard times, you need to have something to 
rely on. You need to have something in your corner that you can count on. And I know for you, it's family and it's staying active, keeping a, a, a healthy physical body when times are good and, and when times are bad. Can you talk a little bit about why it's important to rely on family, why it's important to rely on, you know, keeping in shape for your business and for your mental health, why it's important to have a, a support system in place and not feel like you have to be a one person shop, even though you are. Well, for me, um, <laughs> I have a background in fitness. I actually, I actually, uh, was doing that as a hobby when I was teaching before I started doing woodworking ever. I, had, I didn't even have any tools. So just having a background in that, it, yeah, it is important to me. And it's also another hobby of mine that I've kind of slacked on. I don't know if it's because I've gotten older or we had a little, little kid or I've been doing this full time. So some days when you move a whole bunch of cabinets and you install them and stuff, you're like, hey, that's my workout for the day. <laughs> and then the other thing is I'll do whatever it takes just to make a little extra money, just to set it aside or whatever. I mow a bunch of yards in my neighborhood. I mean, it's not like I'm a... a I'm not against doing more work, uh, but realistically, you got to think. Uh, since I am doing a doing a one man show, like, what? Where's the line, and what's the limit? Sometimes on how much I'm gonna do and what I'm gonna do, um, as far as work. Yeah, you do got to stay fit. You you got to stay healthy because, especially if you're you're doing big builds and not just cutting boards or whatever, because I'm 35, I'm about to be 36, and I'm already feeling it. Like, there's been some days where, like, I'll hunch over for an hour sanding or, or lifting stuff half the day, and my back hurts. And then I'm down the next day. You know what I mean? And I don't have a whole lot of help moving stuff sometimes. Um, but again, yeah, my family helps. It's what's What's funny is, now that the older boys are 13 and 14, they're getting bigger, they're getting taller, they're getting stronger. And, uh, you know, I'll ask them to help me with stuff. And I'll pay them a little bit of money, too, just to help me out in the garage for a little bit if I'm trying to finish something up. Um, I do think it's important to not be working all the time, to include your family. I do think it's important that they at least see what I'm doing and the sacrifices I'm trying to make by being home more and stuff like that. Now, the... the <laughs> the physical side of stuff to help with the mental side of stuff that could be better. But honestly, that's something that me and my wife are working on right now as well. Like just eating better. And then we're both trying to get up early in the morning, several mornings a week and work out. And once you get out of that habit, it is so hard to get back into it, but it's so beneficial, man. It just helps with everything instead of stressing out about, Oh, we need to make more money because we're spending more money or we need to, do this or that it just um man it's a it really is a balance um i get stressed out i don't get as stressed as i used to i do think i have more of kind of a, a goal in place and i think yeah i'm a i'm a one-man show when it comes to building and stuff like that but i still bounce ideas off my wife uh and my friends and uh, I talk business 
and it helps it helps to have a couple other people say yes i like this yeah maybe you should do this maybe you should be patient and just wait and see where this goes but um i can't imagine doing it just a hundred percent me life like if i didn't have kids and i wasn't married it'd be really hard to uh like in your mind you're like i'd have a lot more free time i could do a lot more projects but really i wouldn't want to do it 24 7 <laughs> you know what i mean like it is a job that's the thing about it going from a hobby to full time is is you just took it from being something i'll do it when i want to do it and for extra money to this is my job like i gotta pay my bills with this too and i'm not saying it's not fun but um you definitely don't want to do it as your job and your hobby all the time it's really about bringing a community around you and whether that is in your personal life in your local area through the internet uh through social media it's about surrounding yourself with good people to keep yourself afloat when things are good and when things are bad and just in general your story and the way you operate your business and the way you think about your business is just so similar to the way a lot of people think about how they want to be running their furniture business. For people who are looking to take that, that jump into owning their own company and or for people who have been doing this for a long time, but don't feel like they've gotten to the, the level of success that they want to be at, what type of advice would you give to these people who are looking to be successful in the furniture world? That's funny because uh, I actually have a lot of guys reach out to me and ask me what it took me to go full time. And I was like, man, it was, it was, it was an accident. You know, it's not something I planned for. It literally happened and I said, okay, let's do this. And I did it, uh, which I think is a terrible plan. Uh, it just worked out for me. Um, nine times out of 10, I don't think it's something you just jump into and hope it's gonna work out. Obviously the more you plan, the better it's chance you have of it working out. So most of those guys, like, it depends on the job that they're going from. What benefited me was I was a teacher. Um, and we don't make a lot of money. Even though you've got a freaking bachelor's in education, I mean, almost any job that I took was going to match what I made. So for me, and we didn't have a lot of bills. That's the other thing I tell people. I'm like, well, what's your debt, debt to income ratio look like? you know, for the job that they're at to, I want to go ahead and ease my way into full-time woodworking. And I'm like, if you've got a really good job, just say it's at a plant or a refinery around here or whatever, just say you work for a bank and you make close to six figures a year or something and you do what, you know, whatever. Uh, that's a great opportunity to pay down debt. And the less money you owe, the easier it's going to be for you to operate as a business. Um, when you decide to start, especially if you know that you, especially if you've already been woodworking and you have some tools and stuff, that's the other big expenses, you know, buying, 
find some new or used tools. It's still going to be an expense in the beginning, but it's like, get your, get your debt down. So that way you're not as reliant on making so much money month to month to pay your bills. I mean, you know, if you have two or three bills that you absolutely have to pay monthly, guess what? Like the stress is taken off already. I never thought that I'd be able to support two adults and three kids off of woodworking full time. And I did, and I did whatever I needed to do to make it work. Like I worked for a friend for four months doing home remodel during COVID just because things slowed down significantly. And then I left working with him and I went right back into full time for myself. But um, a huge part of that is because we paid down a lot of debt when we sold our last house. Like I paid my truck off and uh, we saved some money. To me, that's the smartest thing that you can do is pay down your debt. That way you're not owing a lot of stuff. And then if you do want to expand, you know, paying rent to a big shop or a strip center or something, whatever you can operate out of, isn't going to cost as much. You're just like, oh yeah, I got that because I got, I got my debt so low. You are somebody who knows yourself and knows what you want to get out of each day. And yes, you could grow in some places, but you you're doing what you want to do and, and, and you're waking up happy and you're supporting your family and all of those things that, that is a very enviable situation you find yourself in. And I just want to say thank you for, for sitting down with us today. Thank you for talking with me. Thank you for sharing your story and, and not only your business journey, but your, your life journey up to this point. And I really, truly appreciate you sharing the knowledge that you've, you've gained over the years with the people listening and hopefully helping out a few people along the way. Yeah, man, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on here, dude. Thanks so much for listening to Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Abramson. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you like to listen. To learn more about the show, you can visit buildingafurniturebrand.com. And feel free to reach out anytime to say hey, ask a question, or suggest a guest for future episodes. Our email is hello at buildingafurniturebrand.com. You can follow along with me on Instagram at thebuildwithethan, and I can't wait to bring you the next episode. This show is produced and edited by me, Ethan Abramson. Hope you enjoyed, and thanks so much for listening. The Building a Furniture Brand with Ethan Amerson podcast is proudly part of the Woodpreneur Network, the media network and community for wood entrepreneurs. Check out woodpreneurlife.com for more information.